Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thanks church family for gathering today to, to worship. Excited to dive into God's word together. I would, though, invite you to, a, to join me on a dock. It was back, it was 2022, summer vacation, and it was early in the morning, and one of those mornings that, just spectacular, beautiful, the uh, sun was just coming up, the lake was glass still, beautiful, the, it was one of those moments where uh, creation's waking up, but everything is still pretty quiet. And I was having my daily meeting with the Lord. I had just so happened to be reading through the Old Testament and landed on the the book of Ruth that we've been going through. And so my goal was to go one chapter a day and just really soak in that chapter. But that morning as I was sipping coffee and had a little more time than normal, I couldn't put it down. And and I blew through the entire book of Ruth, chapter one, chapter two. I had to hear, hear the ending. And as I came to the end of it, it was a worship moment, and I saw it. I glimpsed the the loving providence of God in a way that just landed on my soul through the life of this young lady, that it it turned this moment into a, a worship moment, and also a message landed in my heart in that moment to share with you. And so I have been waiting for several years to, uh, today's the day, I finally get to share this message. It's a message of hope that I pray will fill us with gratitude and ultimately lead us just to kneel in worship and thanks to our God. It's also a message that's powerful to meet us in our hard moments of life when we're, um, the plot twist happens and we're not sure what God is, is doing in our lives, encouraging us to keep on in our, our pursuit of Him. It's a message that leads us to a core truth that steadies our soul in those confusing times and our faith. It anchors us and and leaves us in a a posture that that I pray you will take with you and and carry with you for the rest of your life that will sustain your faith and sustain your hope and joy in Christ. And so quick recap, we opened this series several weeks ago with the 911 for the soul. So when a hard time comes, Interesting, God in his providence gave us a, a 911 in the book of Psalms. Psalms 91.1. It leads us into this sweet reality. He says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So this incredible gift that we can, through faith in Jesus Christ, regardless of what's going on in our life, find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And so as we watch Ruth navigate the ups and downs of her life, we see her again and again resting in, her, in his shadow. If you were to summarize her life and just put a, th- this was Ruth's life, this young lady as she travels these, this, uh, this interesting journey, she would not have mapped out ups and downs. She is resting in the shadow of the Almighty. She's, as we come to chapter four, we, we see she is still very much in a, a season of uncertainty in her life. She doesn't know how her story is going to play out. She's a widow, meaning she's in a state of vulnerability, no family, alone, no home. Um, Naomi, older, will, will soon pass away. She's alone. We, we know that she's um, without child still. 
something in this culture that, that every lady wanted to be able to, to bear children to the family. She's, uh, and then also she uh, really has no future. She looks to her future, it's foggy and rather bleak. And yet what we see in Ruth is that she's living in this posture of resting in the shadow of the Almighty. And that's where we want to go today in our own lives, that God would take this word, this truth, and seal it upon our hearts and, and move us to that posture of resting in his shadow is, is really the end goal. So in this final chapter, we, what we're going to watch is God bring um, he, to culmination his plan of redemption over Ruth. And he's going to do it through a series of reversals. This, the theme of this last chapter, you could put reversal. We're going to watch him just uh, bring sweet reversals to Ruth in his loving providence. But what's neat is, as we watch him work in her life, why does God preserve this story and for us? And it's so that we will see his hand of loving providence, not only in Ruth's life, but through our own lives and into our own lives. And through that, be able to receive... Um, just this precious calling to rest in his shadow. And here's the, the big idea, rest in his shadow because a reversal is in the works. So as we pick up the story in chapter four, quick recap, and if you weren't with us last week, we left it off with Boaz and Ruth. They're on the threshing floor. Ruth had asked him to be her redeemer. He says, I'll settle the matter, but we're wondering, will he really? And so we wake, the, the story picks up, it's bright and early. Uh, Boaz, Krakadon, he's, he's off to the city gate. And we were also wondering, okay, we were somewhat disappointed last week when we found out there's another kinsman redeemer in line. So Boaz isn't the one, and he wants to marry, there's a sense of he wants to marry her, but somebody else is, is there's a, and he goes unnamed. But it's, in essence, Boaz is handcuffed by his good character. So who's going to actually be Ruth's redeemer? And if this guy that's next in line passes on Ruth, will Boaz actually pay the price, the redemption price for Ruth? At what cost will he, re- will he pay to redeem Ruth and become her husband? And so the scene opens up. We, we see it's, the, it's early in the morning. He heads off to the city gate. City gate in this day was where everybody came and went. If you were going anywhere outside the city, it was through the gate. So farmers, uh, agrarian culture, out to their fields, back to their fields, business people going to different towns, you go through the city gate. So he's, it's also where uh, business took place. Business, it was a marketplace and the legalities of the day. So there was, it was like the town hall was there at the city gate. So that's where we pick it up. Meanwhile, Boaz went to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Interesting, they, they don't give us his name, maybe to protect his reputation. But Boaz said, come over here, my friend, sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. And then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to her husband, to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you, if you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me and I will know, for no one has the right to, to do it except you, and I'm the next in line. So we're waiting, hoping he passes, but he says, I will redeem it. He said, ah, just what we thought. Good guys finished last. He lost the girl. But then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you, always, you also will acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the, the dead with his property. 
At this the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. So initially the guy thought, hey, great investment. You know, I get this property when Naomi dies, it's mine and I will get my money back in essence. But now he finds out there's a, a widow attached to this. She becomes my wife. She has a child. The property will go to this, to him and his, his family and I'm out. The, the money. So this is not really a good investment. It's a liability. So he passes and uh, the, the narrator then turns to us and explains a cultural custom. He says, now in earlier times in Israel for the redemption and transfer of the property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of, of legalizing transactions in Israel. So interesting picture there of, you know, they're handing each other their shoe, their sandal. And, but it, it does make sense in that land was a big deal. And when you transferred property, when you put your foot on the land, you know, I put my foot down that saying, like, this is my land. And so in essence, you were saying where I had put my foot, it's now yours. And here it is. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the, the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses, and may the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family line of, of Israel, so Jacob's wives. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, and may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And then here's the summary scene. So Boaz took Ruth. And she became his wife. The first reversal we see here is Ruth goes from widow to wife, from alone to home. And I love this picture as it mirrors our own story of redemption. Ruth has a redeemer who gets up, gets busy, and gets it done. And you think about what part did she play in her redemption as Boaz is up there at the city gate and he's working out the legalities and he's saying, I'll pay the price. What's Ruth doing in those moments? She's resting at home. She's resting in the shadow of the Almighty, trusting God in his loving providence to work out the plan for her life. And, and so it is for us, and I love this, this picture of of a Boaz, in one line, it's, it's like, so when, it's, when he says, so Boaz took Ruth and, and she became his wife, how much relief, joy, gratitude, affection is summed up in that, that moment. <laughs> I mean, he just sums up a wedding and all the planning that went into their wedding and, and Ruth coming home, cared for her, her, her life going from alone, really, um, widow and slim hopes of having a family, having a home, to being a wife. What a reversal to go from outcast, widow alone, to wife, to home. And as we see um, 
God, in his loving providence, worked this reversal in her life, we're reminded of our own longing that he's put in every human heart, which is one of the deepest longings to be loved, to connect, to go from alone to home. You think about so much of what drives what we do is is led in that. It's that desire, isn't it? And it's that desire unfulfilled. We know with the entrance of sin into the world, it blew apart that first family. It alienated, it fractured, it it created separation where there had been togetherness, where there had been love, where there there had been intimacy. And through our own sin, we are alienated. We're separated from God, from each other. And man, everything in us wants that back, but how? It's broken. And yet what's our story of redemption? Our Redeemer came not just to, uh, to rescue us from our, the sin debt which we owed. And, and we praise God. Last week we looked at he paid the redemption price, which was his life. He lived the perfect life. His death on the cross, he shed his blood, the sacrifice of, of our atonement, our redemption price. He paid in full, not just to, to forgive us, but to bring us into his family so that we can pray, Father, Abba, And we can look at each other and say, brother and sister, and love each other with that kind of love and know that there will never be a day in my life that I am alone. I have him and I have us. Although not perfectly do we we fill this down here, we still struggle or we still have residue sin that creates these fractures, but he's given us the path of forgiveness and reconciliation and we taste what will be ultimately when we're redeemed, perfect people with a perfect God in a perfect place. But this is our story. How do we experience this sweet reversal? And again, it's, we rest in the sacrifice of the one who paid our redemption price. And we experience um, this gift. We go from alone to home. I love the way the writer of Hebrews says it in chapter 10 where he's been talking about what Christ did for us as our sacrifice. And then he says, okay, therefore, let us draw near to God. Um, Don't live outside his shadow. Draw near to him. Live in his presence. Seek him. Be close to him. How? It's through Christ that we can draw near. So draw near. And then he says, um, let us hold unswervingly to this hope that we profess. So as we live in this broken world, hang on to the hope we have and let us not forsake meeting together, doing life together, being family, all the, and encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. So the first reversal that we see is widow to wife, home alone to home. The second sweet reversal that we see is uh, Ruth go from childless to mom or big picture in our lives as well, from barren to fruitful. So in verse 13, he says, uh, yeah, he sums up that wedding in a phrase. And then he says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And then he sums up a nine-month journey. As he says, when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Up to this point, Remember, Ruth had not been able to bear children, and we don't know how long she had been uh, not able to do that. We, we can guess probably around 10 years, but in this culture, in any culture, if God has given you a desire as a wife to have kids and you're not able to, it's, that's a huge pain point. But in this culture, it was massive in that this was really, as, as woman and in a, the Hebrew uh, 
in Hebrew families, your great honor and value is found in giving birth and seeing the family line go on, and she's not able to. She's not able to do what, what she desired to do and what God created her to do. She's barren, and as we look at our own lives, we realize this too speaks to a universal longing in every heart. God has created you to do good, to make a meaningful difference, a significant difference. Your life matters in that you are created to reflect his glory by co-creating with him here on earth. Back to Genesis 3, of all, you look at all the different animals and parts of his creation, there is no one like human, Adam and Eve, in that we are image bearers of God, able to relate, but also able to co-create, to order creation, to use our gifts and abilities and our, our knowledge to think like him and, and feel like him and do like him and make life better. It's how we reflect his glory, and when that's not happening, we hurt. When we are in this place of barrenness, not able to do what God made us to do, there's a, a pain there, and we feel that with the fall, don't we? No longer are we creatures that bring life and give life and make things grow and bloom. We become creatures who destroy life, hurt others. Bring injustice, bring tears, bring wilt to the planet, wilt to the souls around us. We, we feel it in our own families, people we want to love and help, and yet we have those times when we know the sin at work in us causes them to hurt, and we hate that. We feel Ruth's pain. But again, in this one sentence, as, as we see her barrenness go to motherhood and fruitfulness, we, we feel the joy as we watch God working out his redemptive plan in her life, we see him working out his redemptive plan in our life too, don't we? Through Christ. And Jesus coming to, not just to save us from our sin, but to, but to make us new people, new creations, so that as we allow him to change us, we become fruitful. We're, we're able to not um, bring hurt to people, but rather bring life and John 15, remember where he says, hey, if you will abide in me, if you will dwell in my shadow, live so close to me, you're, you're in my shadow, you will bear much fruit, meaning you will do the good works that God created you to do for your glory. You'll feel that sense of, I did what I was made to do. Ruth is, is living in that joy. We get to experience that joy, sweet reversal through Christ. But now the narrator, it's interesting how he kind of, he takes these two main characters, Ruth and Boaz, and he ushers them off the, the stage. And the spotlight lands on this brokenhearted, who was a brokenhearted mother-in-law, Naomi. It's interesting, this is where the story began. Back in chapter one, this is where the story ends. Spotlight on her face. And it's interesting that earlier she was singing a song of lament. Do you remember that? Where she's just like, change my name, make, call me bitter because... I went out full and I've come back empty and my life just is horrible right now. Why is she singing a different song? Why is she praising God? We see it in verses 14 and 15 as uh, the narrator says, the woman, the woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. See, God's loving providence in her life. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him 
birth. We see this final reversal is the, has to do with the future. Her future, Ruth's future, Naomi's future goes from bleak to beautiful. From bleak to beautiful. And what we see as we watch the story play out, even in Naomi's darkest days, in Ruth's most confusing days, God's hand of loving providence was working out his perfect plan for her good and for his glory. In this scene, it's interesting, as we uh, see in verse 16, he he puts the camera right on her arms there. It says, then Naomi took the child in her arms and she cared for him. Why is this significant? It's because one of the themes that flows throughout the book is emptiness. Naomi said, my life is empty. God has emptied my arms. And here we see God's plan was to fill her arms with, with this promised kid and with this precious kid, grandson, that she holds. And then the, uh, the narrator really reveals what, what he's been waiting to reveal all along. And he's been holding his best surprise for last. And this is the precious reality and mind-blowing reality as we read this next verse. Verse 17, the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed, means servant. And here it comes. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Everybody reading this would know David, and they'd be like, no way. No way. The King David? The King the king who, who killed Goliath, the one who brought the glory to set us free from um, those who were holding us in captive, brought the glory days to Israel. This king came through these women whose lives seem to be so randomly falling apart. Yes. And then we have Ancestry.com. And, and as you read this next line, how many of these names do you know? Very few. And in fact, scholars, we don't, they don't know their lives, their stories, but we know that God's loving providence was working just as much in their lives as he was working in the lives of Ruth and Naomi. He just put a spotlight on their lives, but here we begin to see God's hand of providence is so big and so wonderful and so good. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Anybody know about Aminadab? Nope, but God's hand was on him. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. And if you're reading this story for the first time, this is where you drop the book. And you're just like, no way. <laughs> no way. This is too good. You talk about a sweet reversal. Chapter 1, Naomi was saying, it's over. My life is over. It's empty. Call me bitter. Game, set, match, it's over. When in all reality, it was just getting started. These ladies have no idea. And this is what's so neat to read it from our vantage point. For them, it stopped at David and it was too good to be true. For us, we know the story goes on, you guys, right? Who comes through David? The king of kings who will be born on that holy night in Bethlehem centuries later. To redeem not just a nation, but to redeem all people. And he came to take our sin to the cross, to die in our place and offer to redeem the souls of people for all of eternity, for our good, our joy, and the glory of God. And these women had a part to play in it. So back to the dock, back to that dock on that beautiful summer day. You know how there are moments in 
nature where all of a sudden, now nature can be a very scary place and deadly place. You can go out there and it can kill you. But there are those moments when you, you step outside and it's like, oh my, I think heaven just, the, the Celtics called it a thin place where the veil between heaven and earth grows thin and you're like, I think I just, I think I'm seeing heaven here. And you know how sometimes, it's like the Disney moments where you, you can even hear the soundtrack and you know, it's a wonderful world. Everything just syncs up. That was happening that morning on the dock. I mean, it was like the sun's just coming up. You could, oh, the duck's swimming by fish jumping. I mean, all of nature just seemed to be in perfect harmony as this truth is descending upon my soul. And this reality that that God, in essence, was saying, hey, John, take a peek at my loving providence in the lives of these two two women, but in your life and the lives of the people that you know. And here's the reality. Our future is beautiful beyond words. How do you describe to Ruth and Naomi how beautiful the future of God's plan in in their lives, but through Christ? How do you even put that into words? You can't. And everything in me wanted to just shout to my family, who I think most of them were still asleep. You guys, you got to come out here and we need to dance on the dock. (laughs) And shout to the world, let's dance. Our Redeemer lives and he is working out his providential loving plan of redemption even when life seems so confusing and the plot takes a twist that's bringing me tears and bringing me questions and bringing me doubts. He's got it. And what descends upon my, descended upon my soul then and now and what I pray will descend upon all of our souls is a passion around a new priority in life, and that is that we would live resting in the shadow of Almighty, knowing a reversal is in the works. That we would determine that, that okay, God gave me this picture in Psalm 91.1, and I am going to use it, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life, I'm going to make it my everyday priority to see myself in his shadow, and I'm going to live close to him, I'm going to seek him, and when sin separates, I'm going to confess that, and I'm just going to stay close to him. And when a worry comes, I'm going to stay in his shadow. And when life gets confusing, I'm going to stay in his shadow and I'm going to let from his shadow, I'm going to see this reality. There is a reversal in the works. When he moves, I'm going to move. When he's still, I'm going to stay still. And when it gets confusing and the plot twists in my life, my joy will remain because I'm resting in his shadow. And this I know, there is a reversal in the works. Amen? There is, there is a reversal in the works. You may be thinking, okay, good for Ruth, good for Naomi. They're Bible characters. They made it to the flannel board in the kids' classroom. I'm just me. <laughs> I, I mean, is God really going to, is there really a reversal in the works for me? And guys, this is where it gets beautiful. You turn to the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, here it comes, graciously give us what? All things. Do you believe that? I believe that's what God is calling us to step into, to, to rest in the shadow of his omnipotence, his immeasurable love, his 
mystery of, of his plans, his ways that are, are not our ways, and to see with the eyes of faith through that window, through the book of Ruth, through the lives of Ruth and Naomi, our future is beautiful beyond words. There is no language that holds the words to describe what God has prepared for you. All things. You say, how do I know that? I know it through Jesus Christ, what he did for me on the cross. If the Father gave his Son, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? This is our hope, isn't it? And it's not here, by the way. Hebrews 11 says that many of the people of God left this world still not seeing the reversal. We will too. There will be things we're praying for, we're hoping for, we're longing for that we won't see until heaven. we arrive in heaven. But this we know in his shadow. He will, a reversal is coming. We are safe in his shadow and the, and the reversal is coming. Amen. A couple years ago, I chose all for my one word. And it was like, Lord, I want to give you, it was out of Matthew 22, I want to give you, I want to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. And it was me giving him all. I'm like, oh, I want to give you everything. And halfway through the year, I'm reading through scripture and I land on Romans 8, 32, and the Lord flipped my all. And he said, hey, John, appreciate your thought giving me your all, but you will never touch the all that I'm giving you. Amen? We cannot outgive our God. What a precious gift he's given to us in the lives of these young women. Propositional truth, it's important, and we have the proposition in Psalm 91.1. We've got to live in his shadow. But the story hits our heart. These are real people living real lives with real questions and real confusion and real tears and real doubts, and yet what does God give us through their story and it's this beautiful reality that as we rest in his shadow, we can hold firmly to this beautiful truth. A reversal is coming. He is at work, turning even the hard things of our life into something beautiful for your good, his glory. And so it fills us with hope to keep on keeping on. To hear our Father whisper this morning, rest in my shadow, rest in my shadow, and know a reversal is in the works. And then to hear him say, I love you, as we rest there. Sometimes it's just um, getting close to him in those hard moments, and I, I call it, you hear his heartbeat. And uh, he says, I love you, with the love that's immeasurable. And then to um, hear him say, and hey, you do matter. One of the lies of the enemy, you know, your life doesn't matter, you're, you're a waste. And to hear the Father say, no, I created you, uniquely created you to go bear fruit for me, for my glory. And he gives you that opportunity. For Ruth, it was a son. For you, it may be an opportunity to serve in, in whatever way. And then those moments when the future goes bleak and we wonder why and how. And to hear him say, hey, your future is beautiful. A reversal is coming. Rest in my shadow and so today, the, the response and where I felt the Lord leading was to, it's really a call to faith, isn't it? A step of trust. And today, maybe you've never stepped into the shadow of the Almighty God and drawn close to him through faith in Jesus Christ and received his salvation and want to invite you to do that today. 
We know there's only one way to be right with God. That's through faith in Jesus Christ. And our Redeemer came to make that possible. And so if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, would you do that today? Simply admit your sin, come to him and say, I can't fix this. Would you fix this and trust his gift for you that he gave on the cross? And we'd love to help you um, take that step if you have questions. For the rest of us who do know him, it may be a return to rest in his shadow. But I would just ask, would you be willing to say today, Lord, seal this truth in my heart so that I live in the shadow of your presence for the rest of my life? Would you make this truth precious to me? Would you just open up my soul and let Psalm 91.1 in this picture of Ruth and Naomi so land on my soul that I am unshakable, unstoppable as the plot twists of life come. My joy remains, my faith remains, and that I just live in the joy of your shadow. And with this firm conviction that will not be shaken, a reversal is coming. God's got me. And would you be willing to just um, ask God to give that to you and, and seek that, to live in his shadow till he calls us home. Amen. And so uh, we'll just take a moment to pray and just uh, in your own words, in your own thoughts, you can just verbalize um, what you're thinking to the Lord now. Father, as we respond to this truth, our hearts just, they well up with hope and with gratitude. Thank you for our redemption. Thank you for bringing us home. To know that we will never be alone, that we have been loved with the love that is infinite, unstoppable, unending, and we get to share this love with the people around us. And even this week, as we celebrated Thanksgiving, to, to know that you've given us this treasure of Christ-centered homes that, that uh, where you are present. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the, uh, just the chance today to, to return to your shadow. For those of us who are going through hard times, confusing times, tears falling, I, I pray your comfort, your peace, and but ultimately through this reality, God, that we can be with you. Lord, as we worship you, we do so out of hearts full of gratitude for what you've done for us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.